This is exactly right. On the 12th season of Tenfold More Wicked, we investigate a series of compelling mysteries from the city of Fall River, Massachusetts, where problems started generations before Lizzie Borden's murders made her a household name. Join me as we cover the misfortunes that have befallen this infamous town for more than 150 years, including the Great Fire of 1843. Season 12 premieres Monday, May 13th on Exactly Right. Follow Tenfold More Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to this middle of the summer oh god episode of my favorite murder the podcast the podcast that's on vacation that's right so what are we doing talking to you here well we missed you guys we miss you deeply uh we're sorry to be away yeah we're coming back <laughs> yeah but in this way that's we just and needed easy. a minute it's yeah. it, like we're having a moment we were so fucking overwhelmed and i feel better already oh my god um we should see my skin <laughs> it's glowing <laughs> Greenish. It's got a greenish hue. I'm sweating and I've, I've started in Chernobyl. Yeah. So we decided yeah. we, we would do a new recording so that if you missed us, you wouldn't be mad anymore. Yeah. So we're going to do a Q&A episode specifically about the book. And on the fan cult, a bunch of people wrote in on um, the forum questions about the book. We uh, haven't seen them. Yeah. We're just going to read off of paper yeah. that we haven't looked at. But that's the level of vacation we're on. Yeah. We're kind of coming and read off a piece of paper level. Oh, yeah. that's what we always do but (laughs) first of all can we just say thank you so much for the overwhelming feedback and support for this book we've said it a million times but it was hard to write it was hard to release Mm -hmm. like expose Uh ourselves and we knew you'd be there for us but i was definitely surprised at the the amount of positive feedback and people saying that they loved it is so lovely it is we really overwhelming we are we are we feel so uh grateful that we got you guys to support us because you're so supportive yeah and that was a really hard thing to do you're supportive of our dirty little secrets yeah thank you you're like the best moms ever (laughs) we turn that light off or can we read yeah let's get in the mood yeah the moodiness. Stephen, light the disco ball <laughs> as we read your questions about our book, Stay Sexy, Don't Get Murdered, featuring Paul Giamatti. That's right. That's now the full official <laughs> title, by the way. Do you want to go first? Sure. Ask, ask me a question and we'll both answer it. Okay, great. The first question on this piece of paper Stephen printed for us is from ZZ. Oh, I have plenty of questions, but the most pressing to Karen. When did you join AA? You mentioned the trip to the hospital where you realized 12 drinks every night is 10 too many for a body to handle. (laughs) I'm wondering how long between this realization and the start of AA and the journey in between that brought you there. So I'll stop there because now there's a to Georgia. But I'll stop there and answer it. I am not in AA. I try to tell people this uh, when we do our meet and greets. I am not in a program. I stopped drinking because I started having seizures. And later I joined a 12-step program for eating disorders, which helped me immensely. Uh, I've gone back to and dropped out of because, of course, it's very, very difficult. Mm. Um, But I got a lot of recovery in that program. Have never gone to AA for a 
for quitting alcohol, but not because it was so simple, but because having seizures scared me so badly that um, for a long time, I was like, I'm never going to drink again. I've had like a glass of champagne at weddings here and there over the years because it's been since 1997 but it always makes me sick or I get drunk really fast in a weird way and then don't like it. I think it's really cool and I always have that you you make sure to tell people that you are not in the program. You don't want to like, you're not trying to trick anyone being like, I'm sober Karen. You're no, just no. really straightforward about what works for you. Yes. What works for you and it doesn't, you know, that might not work for, that probably won't work for most people who have alcohol problems. Right. But you're open and clear about it. I think that's cool. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's a big it's a big thing and I think if you are in a place where you feel like you need help and it's out of your control, I absolutely recommend 12-step programs yeah. because the structure and the community, it makes you see that this is a thing that you can um, let go of. Uh, and you're not alone. Yes, exactly. It's uh, it's very common and yeah. there's lots of people there with good help. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, I've never claimed to be an AA for, for that. I... Uh, probably the misunderstanding is me talking about 12 step programs and I was talking about, um, the ones for eating disorders, yeah. which also have a lot of great help. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's my journey. Cool. To Georgia, is there another author that you would love to meet? Loved how your passion for reading was present throughout the book. Absolutely jealous. You had the best chance to meet Ray Bradbury legend. You guys are the bestest. You too, Stephen, in parentheses. <laughs> Um, yeah, my other favorite author is Douglas Adams, who wrote Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He's also deceased. So, you know, this is a who would you have dinner with like game living or dead. Sure. Yeah. And uh, he is just so hilarious and funny with that British wit and sense of humor. I highly recommend listening to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy trilogy uh, audiobooks, which he reads and are so fucking. He, in, the author reads them himself. Douglas Adams That's reads them. Awesome. He's so fucking cool and funny and entertaining. I, and I would, I would just cry meeting him. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Your turn. Um, what reactions to the book being released have surprised you? Uh, can we talk about my mom's reaction? It's up to you. <laughs> This is from Kat. Um, also, do you think everyone has read your book then immediately read Daring Greatly? Love you both so much. <laughs> I think Brene Brown owes us royalties. Yep. And we're going to need... An honorary doctorate. That's right. <laughs> and we're going to want our own TED Talk. And we're going to... And we're going to... And I want to... Love it. So my mom texts... But the weirdest reaction, I think, has been from my mom, who texts me and Karen on a thread together, how she has your number... I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I gave it to her. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, that said, uh, Karen said, Georgia, I love this part of th- that you wrote and then wrote, Karen, you don't know this, but you're a, you're a right winger because us right wingers have the same philosophy of you that lefties are lazy and need to pick themselves up off their own boot. What it was like some rant about. It was about being responsibility. Right. But against left wing people who are liberal, like you like and us. I. Yes. Yeah. And I got so fucking angry at her. I responded, mom, period. And then I got on a different thread with her and just fucking went off on her and was like, Karen wrote about her mother fucking dying of Alzheimer's and you have the like gall to call her, to like call that out. Anyway. Just to make it political. Make it political, which I've asked you not to do. We but 
I would say this. Yeah. I mean, it's my mom, so of it's course I get mad. It's your mom. And, and also, families always think, and when you're that close with people, they always think they can be the ones that say things. Because especially with parents, they always think they're smarter than you. Right. So they're like going to inform you about yeah. what you can't see about yourself. Right. Um, and I think she was just trying to be... In, like in it with us maybe a little maybe. bit I don't know I didn't I don't care I know you don't I feel like so many people have been um radicalized with this p- political thing and there yeah. are people that ha- are feeling things they haven't felt in years because they suddenly belong and everything's real clear and black and white and right, simple right and Good that's and when you know if things are black and white and simple that's when you know you're in a bad place yeah <laughs> because there's no nuance no there's no context there's no subtlety there's no gradient could it be this or this that's a good point um you know and that's a lot of people are scared these days i'm yeah. not making apologies for anybody uh absolutely i and i will say this if we're if, let's throw parents under the bus <laughs> my dad <laughs> my dad texted me after he read it and said didn't tell me he was reading it didn't say anything and then he just all he texted me was when were you a latchkey kid <laughs> oh, oh out of nowhere <laughs> oh my god and i said dad it's too late yeah it's too late this is not a discussion anymore it, wow but i mean he really it's funny he's he's always had that a little bit of like oh yeah i don't i don't know about how we did you know <laughs> my parents just did what they what they had to do and what was done parents, at the time and what was very common yeah but it was really funny because he was like i thought latchkey meant that you didn't have parents and you didn't you were just in an apartment <laughs> no, by no, no, yourself no. it's just ne- light neglect is all it yes, is exactly it's just like you all, everybody in the 80s who were just like you know, yeah. Get home yourself, and if you can jump in a van on the way, so be it. <laughs> um, okay, you want to ask a question? Let's see. This one's from Bad Granny. Okay. I want to know more about how Karen and Georgia managed to maintain and apparently grow their friendship <laughs> while also writing a book together. Man, I don't like group projects, <laughs> and I don't know if any of my relationships would survive working with me on a long-term, important, deadline-driven writing project. Look. I know I'm the problem in these situations, <laughs> but it's only because I am almost always right and usually belligerently wrong on those rare occasions when I might be wrong. How did they do it? Bad granny. Bad granny. Great question. Such a good question. We don't know. Do you know? I feel like that's when we started going to therapy, right? Right. Be- but it was also like if we were stacking up big responsibilities that was like the third brick in the stack yeah we were in the mode of make it work get it done yeah and i think the the key to it was when we realized the book should be like the show and we should be writing our own essays right because yeah um, no one writes a no memoir together unless you have like a ghostwriter we or have something. completely different writing styles you know and also i think that throughout the whole thing the podcast and everything is that it was so quickly successful that we kind of there was no like backing down right we both kind of knew <laughs> we had to move forward and there was a good reason to which is you know making it work yes that's right and i think that we did going to therapy and talking stuff through Mm -hmm. for me anyway it felt like that thing of like we both knew that whatever the the problems were 
uh, in the interim, mm-hmm. big picture, we wanted it to work. We right. wanted to be happy and we wanted to take the success and not like basically uh, what I was always afraid of, but also sabotage it. Oh, right. Where it's like, she made me do quit yeah. or any of that bullshit that I've definitely done in the past. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that sabotage thing is right. You, we have this amazing chance. This is the first, you know, this is what I've been praying for. Yeah. You can't fucking just walk away and be like, well, fuck you then, which yes. is like my instinct all the time. All the time. Fuck everything. Well, also, it makes you start thinking and like, we won't get so far into it, but it also makes you go like, when you fight about things, what are you actually right. fighting about as opposed to the topic? Yeah. Because you're never fighting about the topic. Really. Yeah. What is it really? It's always it's like anger or hurt. Hurt and control and fear. Yeah. And fear. Yeah. I don't like talking about any of those things uh-uh. or admitting to any of those things. Me neither. But we had to. Oh, that makes you a righty. Okay. <laughs> um, well, here's another one. Was there ever a time in the last three years that the two of you uh, almost called it quits because the relationship wasn't working? This was from Irish Amy Five. She says that's a lot of time together between podcasts, book writing, and touring. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of time. Yeah. I don't... Th- I feel like as angry as we've gotten at each other or like the fights that we've been in. Yeah. And I think it's always a power move to be like, I'm going to walk away. Like oh, that's, yeah. everybody has that ace up their sleeve always. Totally. We got a, like a third party in to be the neutral negotiator early enough yeah. that that was not no longer the card that was ever going to get played. Right. Was like, then fuck you then. Yeah. If you don't, like, I don't want to make the this. shirt I want yeah. you know, or whatever. Yeah. And then also it's like, you know, that walking away makes it your own fault kind of too. Or it's like, <laughs> you just decided not to work on yourself anymore. Yeah. I think having Vince for me too, to like bitch to, and then for him to be the voice of reason to me as well has been really helpful. And I'm sure, you know, who you bitch to has a level fucking head. Lizzie. Jesus. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the Lord on high. Steven. Yeah, that's true. You have to. Yeah, but you know what? You know what I was thinking recently, too, is because we've talked about this before, too. It it, it would be a lot for a friendship. Yeah. But this basically, I feel like we skipped from acquaintanceship mm-hmm. to sisterhood. We're totally sisters We're now. We're sisters. And it's almost like rougher because, you know, I could say anything to my fucking sister. And guess what, bitch? You're still related to me. That's right. You know, that's right. And Which that's good. Kind of, that's the situation we are in yeah. where it's kind of like. Still have to do the show. Right. Still have to right. do the show. <sighs> but it's good because I have all my life had the habit of walking away yeah. of like, I'll throw the, I'll fucking flip the table with the Monopoly set on it <laughs> happily and ruin the rest of vacation. Yeah. Like I love chaos and I love drama. Yeah. And so to have to be in a situation where it's that thing. And I'm sorry, but this is like the Ram Dass podcast I'm listening to all the time you find your guru and you find the person that needs to teach you what you need to learn yeah and that's how life goes I believe yeah so I just had to start going in the in my most stressed in my most like using macaroni uh macaroni and cheese as drugs yeah that's when I was like what what am I supposed to actually be? I'm supposed to be changing. Right. right. I'm not supposed to be holding the line. I'm supposed to be changing and growing. Yeah. So how about I do that? So find, yeah, find what that is. Yeah. Eat the mac, eat a little bit of the mac and cheese. It's fine. Yeah, but there's better things. Yeah. And it's like, ultimately, don't be so scared of growing. Yeah. It's not that bad. Yeah. It's not. 
There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of made-in products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. <laughs> so this is from CC Lose. Is there anything you are wishing you had not written <laughs> now that it's out or the reverse of this? And just a comment, Georgia, I don't know how many times I have heard you talk about Kim's observation of the altar of self-doubt, but I've always been like, yeah, yeah, got it. Have some confidence. Got it. But after reading your fuller thoughts on this, I get it so much more than a matter of self-esteem, but a call to jump in, really jump in. Makes me happy to hear that she herself realized it was a breakthrough moment, like a goddamn real life good will hunting or ordinary people. And it's a testament to your writing and explanation that I finally understood. Thanks, Stephen. You're a gem. <laughs> uh, thank you. That's that's so nice to hear. It's so it, I, the thing about the writing the book is that I really want we really wanted to come across and get our thoughts and feelings across. And especially in that chapter, when I'm writing about therapy and depression and anxiety and like the most, I mean, the most prevalent you know, part of my life, I really wanted to make it clear. So that was really fucking hard. And I'm 
I think I'm happiest with that chapter than I am with the, any other chapters. I like nice. politeness too. And is there anything you regret writing? No, I regret, I wrote about taking my top off for a photographer and I'm so fucking glad I did. Like, Good. I don't, I don't regret that at all. You shouldn't because that's the part people talk to you about yeah, a lot. Yeah. And that came up almost like it feels like every interviewer people asked us about it. Yeah. Because um, I think you? it happens. Yeah. You know. What about you? There is no. The, at, in the, at the end, first of all, I don't remember what I wrote and I haven't <laughs> reread it. And in 10 years, I'll probably read it and then I'll be all happy and I'd be able to answer any question you want. But uh-huh. I think the way that came out. I kind of honor the, um, that's how it is with making stuff and creativity sometimes. It has to come out as it comes out. And you don't get to, it's not about it being this perfect thing or saying, making the perfect statement. It's like, it's about getting out the thing that you need to say. So, uh, you know, part of me regrets all of it because that was private and I don't like being, I don't like that public life. It's so exposed. It's so exposed, but... Uh, and that's all I was kind of thinking about beforehand. But since we talked to people face to face, clearly it was exactly how it was supposed to happen. Right. So, yeah, not yet. Good. No regrets yet. Good. But I'll always hold out for some space for regret. Oh, it's always got to be there. <laughs> Karen. Yeah. This is from Jean Marie Gibson. Every time you talk or write about your mother, you share with all of us the joy, humor, and wit that she had and the honest struggles and hardships of her illness. I feel very honored that you have shared so much of her with us and trust us with her legacy. If you had to pick one word to sum up the wonder that is Pat Kilgariff, <laughs> what word would you choose? I mean, badass. Yeah. She really was like... And thank you. That's lovely. It's also... uh, When someone dies of Alzheimer's, they go away in slow motion. So writing those chapters about her, I got to remember her from like when she was like my active daily mom every day Mm -hmm. and really go into those memories. And it was like, you know... There's parts of our brain that when you think of something, you're there. It like really delivers you to that space and that time. And it got, I got to like take that chunk and then kind of put it and replace it with these, the more recent memories where I really didn't like that person, which there's a lot of guilt around that. And people that have to be around um, relatives who have Alzheimer's, you don't like the sick person because they're really them. hard to be around and it isn't them. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, thank you for the reception of the, my real version of my mom. Yeah. Who was the opposite of, of how she was when she was sick. So there was just this real additional layer of the bummer kind of. Yeah. Well, um, it was great. I mean, we really got to know her in the book and it yeah. was like fun. And she, I, I can't tell you how much she would be loving this. Aww. Like, my mom was the mom that if you had dinner at our house when we were in high school, she would like, whoever my friend was that she brought over for dinner, she'd be like, do you want a glass of wine? <laughs> she was always like trying to be be the cool mom and the fun mom and the like mom you could talk to. Yeah. And people really treated her that way. Like she, people, my, my friends and my sister's friends would like confide in my mom yeah. and tell her problems. And my mom would just be like, hey, listen, here's the deal. You've got to blah, blah. Like she was really good at it. So... You know what I think the th- that my reaction to my mom's text part of that was like I'm kind of it makes me feel guilty and 
sad that you're that it's my mom who gets to react to it and that's how she fucking does it instead your mom would probably be like my dad which is full of praise and proud and everything but that i will remind you not to argue but that was one moment she had lots of other reactions she was there at the book launch in new york which again thank you everybody at forge and mcmillan they rented us i don't know if we even got to talk about this because it was uh, on break time but um rented us we had the back room like the private book room the rare books room at the strand bookstore in new york city which is a very big fucking deal to us anyway and janet flew out and was there and was stoked she was going around the room she talked to everybody took photos of just the most inane random i know she She, was so she brought great mom energy to that day and like in a very grounding way where sometimes we go through this stuff and i'm just like i don't know what the fuck's happening it's like getting on an elevator and then you're just like okay bye okay this is fun to watch it through other people's eyes too because when like you see a friend or someone who's like like i have a emily gordon my friend was at um a family vacation and her like niece was like freaked out that we knew and she was like i didn't realize how crazy it was until (laughs) my niece wants a signed copy of your book and couldn't believe that i know you right shit (laughs) yeah okay right i guess i just wish my mom had said something encouraging and and nicer because it's you know I feel bad that your mom doesn't get to enjoy it too. And yet, and then my mom swoops in with some fucking political comment. Look though, that's just, this is where, this is where we are. Yeah. And you know, who knows what, my mom could have said something passive aggressive. Yeah. Like she was no fucking saint. There were definitely <laughs> minuses. Like, you know, it's, it's not, it's not that. Yeah. It's not that. I know Janet, like Janet's super proud of us and she was thrilled yeah. after that. Um, here, here's another one for you. Okay. Karen, did you find it easy to date again after divorce? <laughs> I'm going through a divorce now and feeling ready to date, but I don't know how to shake the weird guilt I feel. And this is from V. McTurnan. Oh, my God. That's a, uh, that's a great question. I don't know if I'm the best person to ask, though, because before, like, I've never dated. I was a comic and an alcoholic. So I came up in my 20s. So you were in a catch. A, basically, yes. <laughs> Who wants to date me? So it was always just like, uh, suddenly there was a guy that didn't right. leave, is what it felt like to me. <laughs> um, so when I would say, not only did I find it hard to date after I got a divorce, I had no idea what was going on. On top of which, oh. and this is something, I don't know how old you are. What's her name? V? Uh-huh. V. But times have changed and like even in a very short amount of time like five years uh i made a joke to this guy once about hey now you can call me and his face dropped it was as if i had gotten down on one knee and asked him to marry me (laughs) and that's when i realized oh no one calls each other anymore it's only texting texting and apps and texting and apps and distance and ghosting and if i like you i'm gonna wait two weeks but i probably won't even get a hold of you anyway because there's someone better out there and i want to date them yes it's a fucking nightmare so if you meet someone you like freak out for it yeah freak out start screaming yeah but don't i'd say then don't jump into it like with everything because like go slow probably go slow and also yeah save it like 
I mean, I'm still talking about my therap- to my therapist about it because there was a time where I said to her, like, I just won't be able to. So unless someone literally yeah. rings my doorbell, I can't do this. Well, I think that's a good thing to say, too, is that to let your close friends and trusted friends know that you're dating again. So if they know of anyone, keep you in mind. Yeah. And that way you're not doing the apps. You're not trying to meet someone at a bar cold turkey, which is, you know, they're, that they, they're thinking of you and thinking of their single friends. And Right. And also, here's something I think is really helpful. And I can't remember if I read this or someone said it to me, but it only really works out once, twice, if you're lucky three times at all. So you can't get discouraged every time someone isn't into you or you're not into another person. That's a great point. It rarely works out. So if it finally does, just know that it's like it you should you should expect either rejection or disappointment it's kind of the name of the game try to have fun in the meantime keep it light keep it light and keep it moving and you know my finally we developed the plan i think my friend bradford and i have always have five crushes so that if somebody disappears or lets you down or whatever you can move on down the line i love it and just and do that until it feels like you shouldn't do that anymore i met vince three months after i ended my engagement Really? With my ex three months later and I was dating someone else and I met him and like that night was like, sorry, dude, we're not dating anymore. <laughs> I was like, this guy. Yes. Yeah. Just yeah. you never know when it's going to. That's the thing, too. I always tell my friends, too, is like it It takes one. It could be a one night that changes it all. Yes. You know, it's not like you have to. It's going to be the next two years of your life. You could randomly fucking run into someone and meet someone and suddenly you're with them now, you know? Yes. It's like, you just don't know. So, with that being said, I mean, let's just keep on talking about this. Great. But, um, the one thing I do, like, either regret or, uh, keep, try to keep aware of now is I am a huge, along with, you know, all of my addictions and food and alcohol and whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm a huge isolator. It's like the only, it's like I get overwhelmed and that's all I can do. It's just like it, everybody leave me alone. You have to go out and just be around. You don't have to go on dates. Just be in public. Just be, go to the movies with your friends. Yeah. Spend time with people. Stay social. Don't, because really what you, what I ended up doing was I was completely isolating. And then the times where I would meet someone that I liked, it became this huge yeah. deal that felt like I can't handle how big this is. Because you had no other life. That yes. was like, you were relying on this person to be your life. And that is so scary and overwhelming. But when you have this big full life with friends and options and crushes, yeah. then that one dude that you meet that maybe isn't that great even. You don't know. You can't know until yeah. you know. And also when you come at someone with that energy oh god yeah even if they think you're the coolest person in the world they will run the fuck away when it's like it's you the one that's gonna save me i hate you crazy person you go oh this is good this is from sherry what's the story of how you got sweet baby angel paul giamatti to do the (laughs) audiobook you said in the previous q a how hard it was to write the book how hard was it to record the audiobook to read your written words the book is great but you really need to get the auto audiobook and hear oh <laughs> she's just talking to everybody <laughs> and hear georgia and karen and paul tell you the stories Aww. so much more emotional hearing it than reading it for me thank you karen's joked about paul giamatti a few times in like a if if so, who's gonna play you in a movie mm-hmm. of your life karen says paul giamatti and then we were being asked oh are you guys gonna record the audiobook right and on twitter and shit which i think drove you crazy well yeah it was just like what else do we do but talk into <laughs> microphones and and our own book but so I made the very sarcastic joke that um, it would be Paul Giamatti reading the audiobook and then I would say it was like 
a couple months later, mm-hmm. it wasn't immediate. I woke up one morning and had an email in my inbox from Paul Giamatti, which was, um, and it was basically him saying, hey, I heard you guys talked about me. I'm so honored. I love the show, mm-hmm. and, which was, of course, in and of itself crazy and awesome. And you thought it was fucking fake, which I... I thought it was fake because I come from uh, a long line of 90s comedians who absolutely would do that to you, make you answer, uh, and then make fun of you for being excited. So I started to write back an email that said, hey, you know what? Fuck you, whoever this is, because I didn't (laughs) recognize the email. And it was like, whoever this is, you're a dick, and, and like, fuck you. And then I thank god uh hit pause and was like now hold on because yeah, yeah. who knows because this life has been fucking crazy the past couple of years exactly. so it might it could be paul giamatti it could well, don't tell paul giamatti to fuck off yet <laughs> like put a 48 hour hold make on sure it's it. actually paul giamatti you're telling to fuck off <laughs> yes. and not some random comedian really get specific but, so when i yeah. finally answered the email i basically said this is thrilling we think you're the best and if you do want to know why we were talking about you and if you do want to be a part of the audiobook we would love it sorry to be yeah gross and ask you for something hollywood ask but might as well do it and he immediately wrote back i'd love to sounds great like it was the easiest yeah. booking in the world yeah um and then he actually came through and did it which i mean we weren't there for it no, we didn't we haven't we, met him yet we haven't met him we don't he just did this thing this for like us. favor for it was a favor it was a huge favor and he has what do you have? billions has billions Millions? <laughs> Is it billions? Billions. <laughs> He's millions and billions of dollars, yes. probably. <laughs> he has he plenty does. of shit to do. Yeah. And he took the time. We still haven't sent him like a gift oh, basket shit. or anything. We talked about Steven. sending him a muffin basket. Steven, get him an edible Jay. edible arrangement. Can oh, yeah. You, Jay. Can you send? I yeah, exactly. Steven was like, that's not my fucking job now anymore. Now, we called Steven and Steven calls Jay. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, that's now the order. I think the edible arrangement where it's pineapple dipped in dark chocolate yes. is probably. We're not going to scrimp. No way. We're going to splurge on Giamatti. That's right. Every time I talk about Paul Giamatti, I think I've said this. My dad, if I mention his name to my father, uh-huh. my father says, have you ever heard about his father? And then he starts oh, yeah. to lecture me about Paul Giamatti's father. Who, who owned was, a baseball team, right? He, <laughs> he Is that was wrong? commissioner of baseball. <laughs> yeah, he was like a big deal in baseball, <laughs> but he also was like a professor. Jesus. He's, that, he's a big deal. Okay. And we love you, Paul Giamatti. Thanks, Paul Thank Giamatti. You. We love you. As for recording the audiobook, Ugh. that was so in, like intimidating because I'm such a huge audiobook fan, and I stop listening to books that are having you know a narrator I don't like. Right. And I fucking hate my voice. And I've tried to listen to the audiobook a little bit on my own just to you know fucking cross check. And God, it's annoying. Right. I mean, of course. That's like that's the age-old thing is like the first time you hear your voice on an answering machine or something and you're just like no don't let that be me (laughs) i also cried recording the audiobook of course i was supposed to record the first chapter first and it was the mom chapter and it was nine in the morning and i god the poor sound guy (laughs) the uh recording engineer i wish i remembered his name i'm gonna say kevin it's not something kevin (laughs) he was like I, I felt so bad. I was just like, um, sorry, can I do a different chapter first? He's like, yes. Like, oh no, my God. No, he was sweet. He didn't want to get into it. Our friend of the show, Shmoo, says, Karen, Karen, <laughs> your latchkey kid chapter made me laugh really hard. Was your sister involved in writing that chapter? <laughs> if not, how did she react when she read it? Is that how she remembered those hours after school? 
That is such a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, because interestingly enough, I wrote that chapter at my sister's house. Oh, that must have helped. Yeah. It, um, I think it was either Christmas or Thanksgiving or some kind of a holiday that we were on six months on behind. deadline, yep. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that, how we were constantly and always six months behind yep. in that book. Yep. But um, And I kept being like, well, Karen hasn't turned anything in, so I don't have to turn anything <laughs> in. And I'm going to wait till Karen turns something in before I turn something in. Yep. Uh, it was the great standoff. Yep. Um, the editor loved it. Yeah. She thought it was precious. <laughs> so... Yeah, I started, I got the idea of that because I was staring at the title, which is How to Be a Latchkey Kid. Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, it, 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 the pictures that were coming into my head were so specific. It was the second house we lived in in Petaluma on Eastman Lane. It was like, it was where all the main memories happened to me. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's, it's always set there in yeah. my mind. And so, and I could think of like, you know, 20 different things that, would happen constantly and I just suddenly was like tell people think of the children who would never be latchkey kids right. who have no idea what this even means explain to them moment by moment yeah because it's so normal to you it was your childhood yeah. but then when you realize that some people don't even know what that is have never been like left alone like that Jim Kilgariff for example <laughs> oh wait because then she did write also wrote um, what was your dad's reaction <laughs> and then she said basically I just want to know everything about that chapter <laughs> My sister, I had my sister read the first pass, basically, but I, she was like, yeah, that's good. She did one of those, which the reason she's like that is the reason I'm like this. Like, mm-hmm. she has never, no, no one in my family has no ever praise. given me praise or approval. And that, so I'm always like, what if I did it this way? Um, I reread it and realized that I, I, I went out of the voice of it and went back in and fixed it. And then, and then she was, you know, but then she didn't care. She's a single mother. She's a single mother. She well, you has know, way better stuff to do. My sister, so we both have big sisters who are pretty close in age with us, and she got sad and couldn't finish it. And I think it's partly that I write about so many of the, sh- the bad things I did and bad things I went through, like drugs and, you know, going with strange men to the top of a fucking mountain and taking my shirt off. Yep. And as my big sister, she feels responsible and that she should have protected me. But she was she's 18 months older than me and going through her own shit. And it's just like it's, you yeah. know, you're, you were my big sister, but we were we were both embroiled in our own crap. So I feel kind of bad that it, it bummed her out. That's well, but also that's. I mean, I feel like that's true. That's like how it's really hard. All those stories aren't. It's not like. And then I won first prize. Yeah, no, there, we <laughs> there's don't no first prize. Any shit in that? <laughs> I We're barely just, got my high school diploma. Yeah, and and it is hard. Those are the parts. It's like writing about. The juiciest parts of life are the hardest parts. Yeah. And it makes sense that the people that were with us don't want to go and sit in it with us. Also, can I say, I didn't thank her husband in my thank you. So I just want to thank Andy right now. Oh, good. You're a great brother-in-law. Apologies. I think you only did family, though, right? Yeah, but he's family. Oh, true. I, I mean, did my sister-in-law, too. Blood. I've known her for fucking 20 years. Andy, God, can you leave me alone? <laughs> Jesus. All these demands you keep making. Okay. Did I just ask that? Yeah. Okay. K Mooney, 22, says, just wanted to say that I've been putting off finishing the last chapter because I love the book so much. I love that. That's the ultimate compliment. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful and felt um, just like the podcast, like my friends were indulging me in all of their life mishaps in a beautiful, vulnerable, incisive way. So proud of you guys. So proud of you guys. Thank you. (laughs) So proud of 
You guys. So proud of you guys. <laughs> Questions. What was the hardest story to tell? Were there any moments or stories that you thought should be played down to protect someone? Mm-hmm. Uh, like Georgia calling out her mom throughout. <laughs> <laughs> and what has been the best outcome from all the vulnerability you shared in the book? Bless. Uh, well, that's nice. Mm-hmm. God, there's just so much. I think the people who've been who struggle with mental health telling us that our frankness and our casualness about talking about it it makes it like the stigma's gone of getting their own help yeah and i fucking love that so much and i if that's what our legacy is i'm fucking that's hell yeah bigger than i could have ever imagined yeah my you know what i an impact i would have had on the world totally i'm proud of that yeah you should be it's it's very cool. And it's, I like it because we didn't do it on purpose. Totally. Like it wasn't um, uh, this weird plan. Yeah, yeah. It was just, I didn't, I didn't realize how many people were so self-conscious about yeah, it or ashamed. ashamed. Yeah. Um, but that's because, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I would say when we, I not the best outcome because I'm not really sure about the outcomes, but I'll say the moment that it felt like it was more than just um, we put out this memoir, which is kind of how it felt like when we turned in the final yeah. draft. I was just like, get this away from me. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what this is even going to be. And we were in, I believe it was Toronto. Mm-hmm. And there were like 30 people from um, the oh, booksellers. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And they all met us in the hallway. And um, the looks on their faces, the way they were holding the book. Because the book hadn't come out yet. They were like getting their first copies because they were all booksellers. That's right. So they were early. Yeah. Um, they were early readers. And we kind of all said hi and nice to meet you and everything. And then one girl just goes, it was a really good book. And she said it like, I need you guys to yeah. understand. And it really, thank you so much. I'm sorry. I don't remember your name offhand, but it was that kind of moment where I went, Oh, fucking thank God. Yeah. Like she understood the need. And of course we weren't going to ask that yeah. or whatever, but it was like, she really needed us to understand it. And thank God. <laughs> and it was the best feeling. Cause it was like, yeah. I, I agree. This is Gone Cyrillin. Uh, how do Karen and Georgia, it's you and me. That's us. Remain so close. I feel like it would be difficult to maintain a healthy friendship after everything that has happened with their success. I'm truly envious of their friendship. Oh. <laughs> Wasn't there a rumor going around that we, <laughs> that we're not on a vacation, that we hate each other? Yes. And, and that what, the podcast is ending. Which is hilarious <laughs> because we were in like our best, when that got spread, we were at like our best place in our friendship, <laughs> I feel like, too, where we were like texting each other gifts all the time. Yep. And like, you know, I don't think we've gone more than a week without texting even when we're mad at each other and we're yeah. fighting about something it's st- we still need to start texting and i kind of love that like i think we're in a fight and then i show up at the office to record something with you and we're both just like hey how are you what's <laughs> going on it's like it breaks this tension that for me is really hard but like, because i can hold a grudge and i can be a bitch and be like you do not get to see the cool georgia part of me you you know you don't deserve it yeah but when i walk in and we're both just like oh your hair looks cute what yeah. are you doing and i'm like okay we can dissolve like just dissolve this the, the you know the fighting and just yeah. be like normal people like sisters yes it's a sister thing i yeah friendship is like when you're a little more distant and so it's like can we get dinner on friday where yeah. it's like i've watched you eat so many times i've watched <laughs> you pick things on menu i could order for yeah, you, you i mean we've spent we've we it was like it was like being in the army or something yeah. we were forced together <laughs> uh, through 
great luck and uh, wonderful success and whatever. Like being in the army. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it's the time we spend together, we have insane, uh, as I like to call them, peak experiences. Yeah. Like when we walk out on stage at live shows, you and I are having an, that shared experience that that audience is giving us. And we've gone into these realms together. So I don't feel like we, I need to be like, hey, do you want to get brunch on right. Sunday? Because it's past that. Right. Hey, Karen, you know that feeling when you're stressed out and your heart starts to pound and your mind is racing? I do. I know it well. Well, while there's no cure for stress, therapy can help shape your response to it. And since May is Mental Health Awareness Month, there's no better time to try Talkspace. When you sign up for Talkspace, you'll receive a personalized match with a therapist or psychologist, typically within 48 hours. Forbes rates Talkspace as the number one online therapy platform, plus their licensed professionals are in network with almost all major insurance companies. Once you meet your therapy goals, or if you want to cancel for any reason, Talkspace will provide you with a prorated refund for unused time. I feel like these days people understand the importance of therapy, but the difficult part is just taking that first step. It took me months to make my first therapy appointment. I was so scared. I had a lot of ideas in my head about it. And that's why I think Talkspace is such a good idea, because making it so approachable will just get you there sooner. Then you can actually get in there, figure out what you need, talk to an actual professional, and be on your way to solving some stuff that you might want to solve. To celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month and the power of talking it out in therapy, Talkspace is offering our listeners $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80. Go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and use promo code SPACE80. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash MFM and enter promo code SPACE80 and get $80 off your first month and show your support for our show. That's Talkspace.com slash MFM. Enter promo code SPACE80. Goodbye. If you're like me, you're always looking for a story to dive into. Whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve, the key to getting hooked is the details. I need rich visuals and intricate storylines, and June's Journey has that and more. June's Journey is a mobile mystery game that follows June Parker, a daring young woman, on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder. This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens, and don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out, you never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Here, I have a good one, though. This is a good one. Okay. All right, here's another question. This is from Alice Yar. Let's be honest about the inevitable movie deal that's going to follow the book. Does she know something we don't know? <laughs> what? So How my the question, fuck would you shoot that movie? Here's a good one. So the question is, who's the cast of SSDGM the movie? It's all toddlers with voices of grown-ups. I mean, I would obviously love Liana Mormont from Game of Thrones to play me as a child. Okay. And then Sansa can play my sister. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. We, there's no movie deal, guys. Write, write your local theater. Uh, we don't know because uh, 
remember, did we tell that story of when we were interviewed? We we went on um, the CBS this morning uh-huh. with Gail King. God, can we tell you guys real quick? Gail King is the most amazing woman we have ever met. Guys, you Gail, guys. Did we even talk about this? I don't think we've been recording. Stephen says then. no, no, no. Great. So when we went on that show, Gail King, I was trying to tell Georgia, here's how it's going to go. Because that's all, that's what I always want someone to do for me that no one ever does. So I always think she wants that, which I and don't wor- think she Well, does. you've worked in live TV too, and I'm all nervous and crazy. And so you kind of calm me down. And this is great too about us is that one, we're never both nervous at the same time. No. One of us is freaking out and the other one's fine and calms the other person down and vice versa. So yeah. I was freaking out about being on fucking live television, live television, as you would. And Karen's worked in live TV a lot. So she was like, here's how it's going to go. There's going to be a producer that comes in she'll brief us blah 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 it'll be a little jarring because we're going to actually see gail and the other two hosts on the set but don't worry whatever well three minutes into us being in hair and makeup gail king comes bounding in powerhouse going literally went karen and georgia yeah. like did a thing and we were both like our mouths are open yeah and then she opened the book and she had made notes and notes about george's stories were in blue and notes about my stories were in red yeah she had read the book she had made notes done research it was it was like above and beyond yes what's the question (laughs) (laughs) i don't movie deal Oh, oh movie deal so then the next day we went back and did the podcast that she hosted and we talked even more. And at the end of that, when she was walking out of the room, we were like, thank you so much. It was great to meet you. And then she was like, movie did She did that. If she does it, then she knows. <laughs> this was from Taylorino. This is book related. This, this is how it starts. This is book related. Uh-huh. How was doing that interview photo shoot for The Hollywood Reporter? P.S. Y'all look like four million bucks. Oh, cute. I thought, I love a photo shoot, man. There's nothing I love more than getting fucking dolled up and photographed. Don't like looking at the photos after, but I think it's super fun. I was in hell. <laughs> the people couldn't have been nicer. They, the you know, we were at... Um, Edendale. Edendale Grill, which is gorgeous. Yeah. It used to be an old firehouse. It's the coolest restaurant. Yeah. But were you happy with how it turned out? I didn't look at it. You haven't looked at the photos? No, I just gave... We look um, hot, dude. Oren gave me like three copies uh-huh. and I just gave them to my dad and my sister. Aww. You look hot. Great. <laughs> I mean, I'll never see it. That's just... Oh, Karen. It's just where we are right now. I got it. But um, but I will say this. What It was an honor. Okay, here's one for you. Okay. This is from Katz BB. Karen, what made you decide to write your chapter on the Canadian alderman and mention Paul Bernardo? Fun fact, my uncle was one of his prison guards while he was on suicide watch oh. when he was first arrested. Wow. Yeah. I guess because when we very first talked about doing that book, it was uh, obviously they wanted uh, the original voices that were like, helping us there was suggestions of there should be really strong true crime kind of themes running through it um and we were i think that also added to our the delay when we didn't start writing it for so long was because it didn't feel right to yeah it just it isn't what we do we're not true crime journalists we write reports based on other people's journalism yeah you know which we're very aware of yeah so then to just pretend to be crime to crime journalists just wasn't in our in our brains yeah and it wasn't something that came easily but in talking that's my friend um 
Paul Greenberg's story that I talked about because it was it was basically my friend Paul Greenberg is from Toronto and his mother had essentially a hometown where Paul Bernardo stalked her while she was swimming wow. in her pool. Oh yes, and she was older. She was in her like sixties or seventies. Creepiest story. And. I remember when my friend Paul told me that story and I just freaked out and it was like, it's the best story. It's in the book, whatever. I love it. So in telling that, then it was like, then I wanted to draw in and I'm sure Ali Fisher, our editor, made this suggestion too because mm-hmm. she was like, well, you've done this. So you might want to pull in some of the things that you learned when you were writing that. Right. I think I did that Paul Bernardo, Carla Homolka when we were in Toronto mm-hmm. because I used an article that a woman wrote that was amazing. Mm-hmm. She wrote an amazing article about him and how all that happened and I drew from that. So it was like I realized that was a chance to kind of pull in all these like cool yeah. writers, cool points and it seemed to kind of get all of that taken care of in one spot which is back in the day which now it doesn't seem like that long ago but like in the 80s mm-hmm. when people were faced with like a loose serial killer serial rapist Ugh. in their town what they came up with was uh, every lady stay home yeah and that that is the old way that that's the old way of of criminal justice the old way of law enforcement yeah and that idea that i can't speak to anything about criminal justice or law enforcement in a real way mm-hmm. but i can quote other people that i think this whole wave of true crime popularity is about women going, yeah, we're not, not only are we not fucking staying home, mm-hmm. but we're going to help solve these cases. Well, I think it's important that what you're writing it from a place of someone who has been scared of these things before as a woman and as a human being out in the world. It's, you know, we're, we're talking about our own fears and our own anxiety and our own fucking reactions and angers to, sh- to bullshit like that. Mm-hmm. So that's what we can do and yeah. we can offer. And thank you for mentioning it because I was really worried about that because that was one I had to like footnote and then the oh, lawyer yeah. was like, we have to make sure because I didn't I didn't want anybody to feel persecuted or anything, yeah. but, but also, like, let's make sure that doesn't happen anymore right. by saying it happened in the past. Right. Um, but yeah, that was a worrisome chapter because you had to get shit right or yes. it's in there in writing. Yes, exactly. Like Nora's misspelling of her name. Uh, that is the craziest, funniest thing. Yeah. They, in this first edition, someone slapped an H on the end of my niece's name. In the dedication. In the dedications. Her name is spelled N-O-R-A. And of course, when I told her, mm-hmm. she was like, that's okay. <laughs> like, she could well, give a, a shit. It's a collector's item now. It's a collector's item. Yeah, it's not. It's not. <laughs> well, so if the next three weeks, we're going to be posting the top three episodes that you guys chose in the fan cult. Yeah. Um, of all time. We're really excited to see what you guys pick. Yeah, that's and very cool. then we're we're back. And then we kind of come back. That's um, right. Thank you guys for all of this. You know, we do get very, I especially get very self-conscious. But thank you for your grounding uh, comments and support and questions. Ultimately, what you should know is that we've been having a really good time. Not this has been the vacation or amazing the, or the I think the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I think the whole experience. The whole experience is surreal. Still, I still can't wrap my brain around it. I still get so excited to get, you know, where when a murderino comes up to me and, and recognizes me like it's just exciting every yeah. time. This whole fucking thing is it's, it's very fun. And it's more than just um, I talked to someone named Stephanie in Bloomingdale's the other day for like 10 minutes um, who who stopped me and was like, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I, I was just like standing I'm around. I'm immediately like in the middle of going to hug them as soon as they're like, <laughs> are you George? And I'm like, hugging you. Uh, 
So yeah, we're very grateful yeah. and thank you for the support. I I honestly was so scared that this book was going to suck. Oh, shit. I thought we were going to get like on BuzzFeed about what monsters we are. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and uh, stay sexy. And don't get murdered. Goodbye! Goodbye! Elvis, want a cookie? <laughs>